This show is sponsored by This Could Be Your Name, the writer of This Could Be Your Book. Contact us to find out more about sponsoring an episode. The following content is strictly designed for the enjoyment of a mature adult audience. Headphones are recommended as these stories are recorded in left-to-right dimensional stereo. Hello, sexy people. This is Natalia, and you're listening to All the Filthy Details, the Erotic Communities podcast. This episode was the brainchild of the star recommendation winning author, Annabelle Hawthorne. She was keen to see us dedicate an episode to one of her favorite niches, monster erotica. Annabelle won her star recommendation with one of our highest ratings for her book, Radley's Home for Horny Monsters. Ardent fans of the podcast may have picked up her book, Quarantined with My Hot Roommates, during our first ever Christmas Advent calendar. We'll hear more from Annabelle today via a special appearance of her close associate and the voice behind the horny monster audiobooks, Amber Lee Connors. Amber is one of the most talented voice actresses in the business, and if that wasn't enough, we're also joined today by Erotica Podcast Royalty. Devlin Wild from the erotica podcast Wild in Bed. Join us for an interview and a taste of what you can expect on this fantastic podcast. We also have four books up for review within the monster niche, with us intending to give one of these titles our star recommendation. With all that being said, you can expect this episode to be quite lengthy. So let's get started with our next episode from The Infidelity Diaries. Previously on the Infidelity Diaries. Surprisingly, what I got instead was a voicemail attempting to explain the unexplainable. You don't have the whole picture. But remember this. People aren't who you think they are. Be careful. Harry was back home before I knew it. Just as soon as Faye approached me, Georgina's voice boomed over the crowd. Oh, thank you. You she shouldn't. She thanked us all for coming. Come take a picture of us. The unfamiliar face was enough to take throw a picture my anxiety over the edge. Hun, I'm feeling a little dizzy. Oh, so you're feeling that good, huh? Our sounds reverberated throughout the room mm. until he came, holding his stiffened body against mine. Why did you leave so early? You missed the fireworks. Oh The Infidelity Diaries. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 5. At this point, the most irritating thing about the stalker was their reluctance to explain themselves. I was wary of anybody I couldn't read, but this person was particularly frightening. What could their message actually mean? This morning, 
Harry hadn't been gone 20 minutes before I heard a repeated knock at the door. Although I was wearing only my underwear under my robe, I rushed to the door. If Darren was the one knocking, I didn't want him to see me like this, but I also didn't want anybody else to see him at my door either. Against my better judgment, I let him in. Before he could even say hello, I noticed something glaringly different about him. A massive bruise lit up one of his cheeks. What happened to your face, Darren? Mark Collins hit me in the face after I tried to defuse an argument between Leah and Lynn Collins. You're kidding. How did it happen? Leah outed Lynn as the dog walker who never cleans up after her pet. Lynn took exception to that and got in Leah's face. I tried to pry them apart, which is when Mark thought I was being inappropriate and hit me. I didn't mean to touch Lynn at all. You didn't clean the wound very well. Didn't Leah help you with this? Well, we got into an argument after that. Conveniently, she blamed me for the whole thing. As soon as the door shut behind us at home last night, she couldn't stop telling me that she'd asked me to speak with the Collinses in private. She was embarrassed, and she thinks I'm ruining her reputation in the community. Her reputation? What's wrong with that stupid bitch? I fucking hate her sometimes. She's so self-absorbed, and she doesn't even know how to take care of you properly. I said, my voice lowered. Shall I take care of you properly? Darren smiled, and I took that for a yes. I led him to the dining room and sat him in one of the chairs. After laying out the necessary tools, I washed my hands in the kitchen, ready to douse these cotton balls with rubbing alcohol. Trying not to aggravate the wound, I cleaned the dirt away from the cut left on Darren's cheek. After allowing the area to dry, I gently massaged some antiseptic ointment into his rugged jaw. I stepped back to admire my handiwork. You know, it kind of suits you, makes you look rugged, kind of hot. Darren stood up and reached for me, his smile fading into the familiar, lust-filled expression I loved. Easy there, big boy. I said you looked kind of hot. But how do you know I wasn't after the winner of the fight? It wasn't a fight. If it had been a fight, I swear I'd... Shh. I hushed, guiding him toward the bedroom. Fortunately, I hadn't opened the curtains yet. It was a safe space, free from curious eyes. After leading him to the bed, I loosened his jeans before bringing my lips to his. I kissed him hard while reaching into his boxers, attempting to free his thick cock. Instead, Darren had another idea. He rolled me onto my back and pinned my legs. Darren peeled off my underwear and practically dived towards my clit administering the most pleasurable torture imaginable. He licked it skillfully and then moved down to my lips, continuing to flick my clit with his tongue. 
Darren introduced a finger to see how effective his technique was. <gasps> Tasting the sweet nectar from his finger, he brought it back to my opening. I grew impatient quickly and held his hand in place in order to gyrate my hips against him. He added another finger, pushing it into me while brushing my rear with a trailing digit. Shit. I want you inside me, I pleaded under my breath. With a departing kiss, he disengaged. He got to his knees and lined up his thick erection with my opening, rubbing the head of his cock against my foot before allowing it to sink in. Each thrust melted me just a little bit more. Darren was everything Harry wasn't in a lover, and his hold on me was becoming too dangerous. I moaned with each thrust until Darren announced he was going to come. Snapping into action, I reached for a tissue to attempt to absorb the spurts that emerged just as Darren pulled out, clasping firmly around the head while he sought to expel the remaining drops from his erection with a few delicate rubs. Soon after, we spooned for a few minutes, allowing his hands to glide over the curves of my body. We lost ourselves in time until a persistent knock rudely awakened me at the door. Shit, I exclaimed. Do you know who it is? Darren asked, panicking. He hurried to put his clothes on. I have no idea, I responded, pulling my jeans on as the pounding of my heart intensified. We sped down the stairs, and Darren slipped discreetly out the back door and clambered over the fence to the safety of his property. Cautiously, I moved toward the door to investigate the cause of the commotion. When I saw who was at the door, my panic turned to relief. I swung the door open. Deepak, why the sense of urgency? I asked, finally exhaling. I spotted someone watching your next door neighbor's property, and I was trying to get you here so you could catch them in the act. Damn, where are they now? Gone. What did they look like? White female, short brunette. Next time on the Infidelity Diaries. It was beginning to feel like too many people had eyes on Darren. Yesterday, Deepak spotted a curious woman near my home, which sparked a discussion between us. Texting the mystery stalker, I claimed I captured her on camera. You don't understand the gravity of the situation. I am much less dangerous than the true enemy. Acting this way in public was high risk. Head over to our Patreon to hear our next episode right away. Plus all of our audiobooks and secret podcasts for an incredibly low cost. You're listening to all the filthy details. (laughs) Hot Erotica to Look Out For. Out in the Night by Elena Nix. Someone is watching Becca's house at night. Her only suspect is her solitary neighbor. He's abrasive and domineering. 
yet darkly compelling. Her life has been spinning out of control since he showed up with an orphan kitten at her door. She tried to keep her distance as mysterious warnings and increasingly erotic dreams keep her off balance. But he has no intention of letting her get away. Permanent links can be found in the description on this episode. Would you like us to plug your erotica title? Also head over to our Patreon to see our unbeatable deal. Shh, numbers are limited. If you haven't done so already, click on our Twitter profile and subscribe to our Twitter-integrated online mailing list for previews, exclusive looks, and details on special offers. You're listening to All the Filthy Details. <laughs> Time for our first spotlight on eroticists. Ever since Annabelle Hawthorne won one of our star recommendations, we've been keen to learn more about this talented author. Today, we get to learn a little more about the talented enigma, Annabelle Hawthorne, via our special guest and professional voice talent, Amber Lee Connors, who has been tasked to answer our questions on Annabelle's behalf. Hello, Amber. Thanks for having me. Um, hi, <laughs> I'm Amberly Connors, a narrator of the Horny Monster series, as well as a whole plethora of stuff. Um, I do anime, video games, other audiobooks, and yeah, I'm excited to be here today to talk a little bit about our newest audiobook, Radley's Labyrinth for Horny Monsters, as well as answer some questions you may have for Annabelle Hawthorne, the author of the Horny Monster series. Annabelle's book, Radley's Home for Horny Monsters, was one of our highest-rated titles in the history of our podcast. We're keen to learn a little more about her. What is she like? Is it true that she only reads books and doesn't tend to engage in other mediums? Yeah, so I adore Annabelle so much. Um, we exchange emails, you know, of course, when we're collaborating on the books, and um, she tends to send me, like, some gifts and memes and stuff. It's it's a good time, but um, yeah, from what I know, Annabelle isn't a full-time author yet. You know, it takes a lot of work to make it in the publishing industry, which is probably why you won't see a lot of engagement on any sort of social media. There's not enough time. Like, I'm sure she's super busy. And uh, yeah, she's also a voracious reader. And the best way to excel at any craft, you know, is to immerse yourself in it. And um, it's also, you know, a lot easier to take like a 10-minute break and read a chapter of a book compared to like sitting down and like starting a movie and stuff or playing a game. I mean, I don't know like the deep inner workings of Annabelle's life, but um, I know it's hard for me to do that stuff. So I would I would make the connection there. But yeah, Annabelle is very mysterious. Ooh. Annabelle has an incredible following on Patreon and Wattpad. What can you tell me about the offerings on these sites? Yeah, so um, in regards to Annabelle's Patreon, readers, you know, get advanced chapters as well as a ton of character art. And I personally really like the character art, so it's super cool. Um, yeah, so like at last count, I think there were over 100 pieces on there. Patrons can also unlock special awards such as free copies of the audiobooks, illustrated editions of the books, and all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, yeah, in regards to Wattpad, Annabelle puts the rough drafts of books from the Horny Monster series on there. You can also find early chapters on lit erotica and stories online. In fact, the sixth book in the series started posting a couple months ago, so if you can't wait to see what happens next, those are great places to catch up on the story. 
Radley's Labyrinth for Horny Monsters is the latest audio in the Horny Monsters series. What can you tell us about it without spoiling the plot? Can we expect to see our favorites like Naya and Tink? Will new monsters join them? I don't want to spoil anything, um, but for Radley's Labyrinth for Horny Monsters, um, is pretty wild. It's pretty cool. Um, I think uh, people will be excited to see some fan favorites, as well as maybe some new mysterious additions. But um, yeah, you know, expect the unexpected. One of the most potent aspects of Radley's home was the protagonist's traumatic past. What inspired Annabelle to write about a character with issues stemming from protracted sexual guilt? Yeah, so, um, you know, Mike's creation as a survivor of childhood abuse was an attempt to connect with people who had similar experiences growing up that, you know, may still be coming to terms with it. While it, you know, can be fun to read characters who are strong and powerful, Annabelle was far more interested in showing the world that you can be broken and amazing all at the same time. Readers who have ever been through trauma that has damaged them deserve to have characters they could root for. And I personally, like, am really jazzed about that as somebody who's been through um, trauma themselves. And, um, you know, like, I, I have, I've been in therapy for a couple of years and um, stemming, you know, from childhood trauma. And um, I actually, like, you know, like, uh, cope with PTSD, like, on a daily basis. So, um It was really special for me, too, to be able to see a main character like that. And, uh, you know, at the start of the story, Mike is still carrying those scars and unable to properly connect with other people, which is what makes his connection with the monsters of the house so special. You know, like, they're nothing like the people who've heard him in the past. They're accepting, and he discovers that he is both worthy of love and being loved. And even though he's surrounded by beautiful creatures, magic, and plenty of money, he just He doesn't just get over it. (laughs) He's always processing who he's been and where he's going, how stuff has affected him, because it isn't something you just get over. You know, it takes time and support. Um, So yeah, so many readers have written in to share their own stories and how the Horny Monster series has helped them see that it's okay to not be okay. That right there is a special kind of magic. Who are your favorite monsters in the books? Was there ever a desire to write a spinoff about one of the monsters? I like so many of the monsters. You know, um, it's it's hard. It's hard to pick a favorite. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's a couple that's um, in uh, Labyrinth that are some of my new favorites. Um, but I really, really love Lily for a lot of reasons and um I also really like Tink and I just I like everybody they're all really fun they're all so different it's hard to pick a favorite but um yeah and uh Annabelle has actually written two spin-offs already the last of her kind takes place in the early 70s and is a love story between a Vietnam vet and an arachne ooh that one is a bit of a prequel story and uh, the other spinoff, Dead and Horny, stars Lily the Succubus and a new monster from Radley's Labyrinth as they go hunting down lost magic from the house. You can read both of those on Wattpad, Lit Erotica, or Stories Online. What authors do you think we should be looking out for? Well, for Annabelle, there have been a few recent standouts. Harley LaRue has a phenomenal series out right now in her soul to take and Carnal Cryptids by Vera Valentine promises a good time. 
Alethea Faust is doing a wonderful take on wizardry with initiation. If you like serial writers, Blue Dragon is great for fantasy, and C.H. Darkstrider has some erotic science fiction that a lot of readers swear by. What are you working on next? Yeah, so um, as for what I'm working on next, um, this year is already pretty crazy. Um, I'm working on something with Annabelle that I'm not going to spoil. That's going to be exciting. Um, kind of like a little smorgasbord of like, you know, books, doing audiobooks, doing doing games, anime um, for anybody watching the uh, latest season of Attack on Titan. You can hear me as Peak. I'm not going to any spoilers. I don't even know spoilers. I only know what I record. Um, so that's airing right now. Um, super exciting for anybody who um, watches stuff on Netflix. Uh, I've got to voice Comey and Comey Can't Communicate. And anything else that um, hasn't happened yet, I can't say. But it, you could you could follow me on social media and I'll announce it when I'm able. <laughs> but yeah, as for Annabelle... She is currently writing book six of Home for Horny Monsters and maybe another spinoff novel. I will also tell you again that we're working on that super special secret project together and I can't say any more at this time. Can we get a preview of your latest title? Yes, absolutely. Here is an excerpt from our latest audiobook, Radley's Labyrinth. Mike and Tink are searching for a map inside of a magical library and things, well, they go about as expected. This part of the library was completely different from the rest. He was inside of a warm, comfortable room with tall leather chairs and a roaring fireplace. When he looked back, it was impossible to see the outer library. The curved walls blocked off the view from the outside. There you are, Mike said. Tink was on the floor, legs splayed and tail twitching. Her face buried in a large book. Beside her was a stack of maps and other assorted books. The map of the labyrinth as well as Tink's backpack were set on a table next to them. Tink ignored him, her cheeks flushed. Mike assumed she was sitting too close to the fire, but he soon realized that wasn't the case. Her mouth was slightly open, her wide eyes fixed on the page. When Mike touched her leg, she yelped, dropping the book on her lap. What are you reading? Mike asked. Tink, find dirty book, the goblin whispered. Picking it up, she opened the pages and turned it around. In stunning detail was an image of a werewolf, his monstrous member dangling between his legs, as he jerked his load into the hungry mouths of a pair of women on the ground beneath him. Wow. Mike inspected the outer cover, but there were no words on the book. As he flipped through the pages, it became evident that the artist had a one-track mind. Werewolves fucking humans, werewolves fucking each other, and even a werewolf fucking a unicorn. This last one made Mike laugh. The unicorn had buried its horn into a tree and was backing its ass onto the cock of the howling wolf behind it. Werewolf porn. This shit is funny. Lowering the book, he saw that Tink's eyes had gone from innocent to predatory. Her tail twitched back and forth, and one of her hands was under her skirt, her fingers doing lazy circles beneath the thin fabric of her dress. He dropped the book, the pages flipping open to an image of a peasant with her arms tied behind her back, getting spit-roasted by a pair of werewolves. Husband hasn't made enough time for Tink, she growled, her free hand squeezing her breast through her dress. All four of her nipples stood out now, 
and her breath came in fast, rasping bursts. Mike was suddenly aware of the crackling of the fire, the air rich with the smell of old books and leather. The entire universe consisted of only this room, this quiet place where he and Tink were the only living beings in all of existence. Don't you want to get your goggles back? Mike asked, his eyes on Tink's shapely thighs. Her skirt had ridden up just enough that he could almost see where her legs met, blocked only by her wrist. His cock was suddenly rigid, pressed tightly against the fabric of his pants. Get goggles later. Fuck husband now. Tink licked her lips, pulling up her skirt for Mike to see what she was doing. She pulled back her labia, her wet opening bare to him. Mike could just make out the hard lump on the upper wall of her vagina when she spread herself open the first of two clitorises. She pulled her skirt back down, her palm grinding into her pelvis. Tink let out a sound that was half moan, half growl. Mike unzipped his pants, his cock springing to attention. The heat of the fire felt good along his shaft, and he spit into his hand, rubbing his dick gently. Husband, get nice and hard for Tink, the goblin commanded. Both hands moved now beneath her skirt, occasionally sliding down her thighs and leaving long, wet streaks. Husband, keep doing that. Tink likes to watch. You like seeing this? Mike asked her, stroking himself casually. His swollen cock was large, nearly eight inches in length. Though he was endowed with such a huge member, it had gone unused for most of his life. An artifact of a terrible childhood. Now, with nymph magic surging through his blood getting hard was easy. Mike got on his knees in front of Tink, tugging back on the skin of his dick, his glands revealing itself. Are you thinking about what it'll feel like inside of you? Tink nodded, her tail twitching sporadically. Mike snatched it up, inspiration striking him. Tink's tail was long and thin, with a paintbrush patch of hair on the end. Using the tip of her tail, he stroked himself with his left hand, and dragged the soft brown fur across the head of his penis. Uh, he sighed, a shiver traveling along his shaft when his cock flexed itself, rising up to meet the new sensation. Tink reacted as well, gasping when the tiny hairs of her tail were stimulated. Husband, do more to tail, Tink commanded, lifting her skirt. She shifted her legs, revealing her tight green labia, one finger teased the opening. I can do that. He soon discovered that the end of Tink's tail was quite sensitive. He painted imaginary shapes along the head of his cock, a sensation reminiscent of an old girlfriend who had attempted to fix his issues with some light feather play. Kneeling in front of the goblin, he dragged the end of her tail down his shaft, tickling the skin of his balls. Tink likes seeing that, she told him shoving two fingers inside herself. The way she was hooking them, he could tell she was playing with the hard lumps inside. Tink was letting out quick bursts of air, her fingers pausing in between, the pleasure clearly too much for her to bear. I'm going to fill you up, Tink. Mike squeezed his cock, trapping her tail between his hand and his shaft. You're going to be so full. Have you ever been so full before? His hand was moving up and down, the tip of Tink's tail brushing against his frenulum. He shivered, eyes rolling upward at the delicious sensation of her soft hair. 
His hands guided themselves, a cool energy inside his body controlling them. He immediately pictured Naya, that piece of her soul that was stitched to his. Was that where his confidence came from? Tink, use hammer once to get full. Tink shifted, adding a third digit, squeezing out some more of her fluids. Sit on floor and rock on metal part. Come six times. Fuck, Mike groaned. The image of Tink masturbating with a hammer suddenly burned into his head. He could picture her. Horny little monster that she was, desperate to penetrate herself with anything from her workshop. Took Tink long time. She cooed at him, watching his face. Tink work it in slow. Push back against wall. It must have been tight. A large amount of precum was oozing from Mike's dick, soaking the thin hairs of Tink's tail. Tink nodded, letting out a loud sigh. Not as tight as husband. Mike let go of Tink's tail, grabbing her by the thighs and sliding her toward him. He held her hand in place, his own fingers teasing her labia while hers stirred the pot. He pulled Tink's dress over her head, revealing her small breasts. Large, dark green areoli circled her double nipples. She now sat between his legs. Her thighs lifted onto his own so that her feet were to his sides. Grabbing her tail, he used it to trace circles around one of her breasts, slowly working in toward the space between her nipples. Tink sighed, grabbing Mike's shaft with her free hand, using his pre-cum as lubricant to stroke him. They were both breathing hard, working each other up. Mike pushed his fingers into hers, attempting to part her emerald folds and fill her up even more. Tink slid out one of her fingers, allowing him to work one of his own in. Her fingers didn't reach as far as his, and he was able to rub her second clit while her fingers frantically rubbed the first one. Husband, Tink moaned, staring into his eyes. He continued teasing her breast with her tail, and she leaned back to force more of his hand into her. In response, he leaned forward to suck the nipples of her other breast into his mouth, immediately biting into them. Goblin's skin was rough, and she let out a small howl, her pussy spasming around his hand hard enough that the pressure pushed out her own fingers. Husband, Tink cried, her soaking wet hand joining the other, both hands stroking him while he pushed a second finger into her. He couldn't see what he was doing anymore, releasing her tail and grabbing her by the hips, pulling her forward so that her labia rubbed directly onto his wet member. She slid along him this way for several minutes, the head of his cock just barely parting her lips, threatening to penetrate her before she moved away. Mike grabbed the base of her tail, using it to steer the green body above him. Tink was becoming increasingly aggressive, growling every time she pushed against him, her eyes brimming with lust. He kissed her shoulders, her hips moving higher on his own. Husband... Tink lifted herself one last time. Mike's swollen cock pointing straight up into her body and sank down on him. Letting out a murderous growl, Tink shifted her body once more and shoved herself down onto him. The fit was impossibly tight, her body not built for even a regular human cock. Mike bottomed out long before she even reached the base, but Tink was determined. 
she let out a high-pitched scream that reminded him of Cecilia, then sank her teeth into his shoulder as she pushed down as hard as she could. Oh, fuck. The bite itself stung, but not enough to distract him from the pressure that was building inside. Tink's arms wrapped around his back, not quite reaching, and she pounded her body against his. With each thrust, he could feel his own orgasm approaching. He slid his hand around Tink's ass, finding the base of her tail. Grabbing onto it, he looped it underneath his own leg and pulled up on it to pin her bottom down against him, causing her violent thrust to become more of a rocking sensation. <laughs> Tink sat through the flesh of his shoulder. Mike wondered if the sensitivity of her tail was limited to just the end so pinned it in place with his leg and grabbed it again by the base. Tink's moans told him what he needed to hear, and he squeezed the base of her tail, rolling his wrist outward. Every time he pulled, he could feel her pussy squeeze him, so he timed his tugs for when he was already deep inside, grunting as her even tighter pussy sucked against him like a giant mouth. Oh, shit, he whispered. Tink released her bite then tackled him backward with newfound strength. He collided with a nearby table, scattering books and maps in every direction. Pulling her tail free of his leg, she spun so that she was facing the other way. She was leaning toward him, arching her back as she rode him reverse goblin style. She used one of her hands for balance and the other to stroke the part of Mike's cock that wouldn't fit inside of her. Mike's hand ran along her tight stomach, Feeling the large bulge of his cock through her skin, he pulled against it, enjoying the new, strange pressure. Tink, close, so close, she said, moving her hips frantically. Her tail twitched from side to side in Mike's face, and he had no idea where the idea came from, but he went with it. Snatching her tail out of the air, he found a spot about a third of the way from the end, a bit thicker than his thumb. He pushed it in his mouth and bit down, hard. The accompanying scream filled the firelit room. Tink's whole body went completely rigid, the end of her tail spasming wildly from Mike's mouth. Her hands clawed at her own breasts, then at the air, searching wildly for something to grab onto. Mike squeezed her hips, pulling himself up into her. Tink went silent, her whole body shaking, and then she collapsed forward, her arms on Mike's legs. Tink, Mike asked, sitting up. He gave her butt a playful slap. Tink, done, the goblin announced, her breath coming in short bursts. Husband, come and tink, soon. I can do that. He adjusted his legs, pushing her face down onto the floor. Grabbing her by the hips, he fucked her from behind for several minutes, delighting at every moan, groan, and coo from the goblin. His knees protested, not built for humping on stone floors, but his need was far greater. Mike took a deep breath, the pressure in his balls suddenly too great to bear, and shoved himself as deep into Tink as he could possibly go. The goblin let out one final yell, grabbing at his hands. Mike pumped himself into her, filling her with his cum. With every thrust, a large gob of it was pushed out, coating the floor and sperm. Sighing, Mike pulled free, sitting back to admire the view of Tink's spunk covered behind. How can we follow Annabelle Hawthorne? 
and Amber Lee Connors. What social media are you active on? Ooh, yeah. So um, like I mentioned earlier, my social media, um, I'm the most active on Twitter, which is at Amberly Connors. My Instagram is also at Amberly Connors. <laughs> my website is www.amberlyconnors.com. And um, you can also find links to all my socials from there. And as for Annabelle, you can follow her on Twitter at author Annabelle or check out AnnabelleHawthorne.com. Go do it. She's amazing. I adore her. I command you. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having us. Um, it was really cool get to get to like interact and talk to you like this and also get to be a spokesperson for Annabelle. So yeah. It's been super fun, and please check out Radley's Labyrinth for Horny Monsters. Tweet at us, let us know what you think, leave good reviews. And um, yeah, thank you so much, guys. Until next time. <laughs> Radley's Labyrinth for Horny Monsters is available in audiobook format now. Annabelle is also giving away free copies of an exclusive audiobook via Book Funnel. Clickable links should be in the description. Remember, we still have an interview with Devlin Wilde to come. But before we go to that, let's hand you over to Filth, the erotic book review. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> Hello, I'm Diana, and this is Filth, the erotic book review. We have two firsts today. The first monster niche only set of reviews, and also the first time we've decided to review four books. Talking of reviewing more books, we're extra keen to get more of you reviewing the same books we do for your blogs, newsletters, etc. If you're interested in reading what we read and forming your own opinions to share with the world, don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter. Okay, plenty to get through, so let's get started. Mora by Marie Blue. He could feel her pressing against his cock as she moved, first her belly, then tucked between her breasts. Her hands ran all over his hips and thighs, leaving trails with her nails scratching gently. Eventually, her mouth was hovering above his cock, and he could see her looking up at him with a wicked grin. Precum was already oozing out of the tip, and she slowly reached her tongue out to lick it. Her tongue was hot, and the touch sent shockwaves through him. Before he could recover, her lips wrapped around the head, and her tongue was tracing circles while she applied soft suction. He moaned at the pleasure of it, and she took that as encouragement. With one hand massaging his balls, she slid her mouth further down his shaft and back up to the head, again and again, going down further each time. The heat of her mouth was intense, and she was keeping a steady suction each time she pulled up. The sensation felt so good, he couldn't concentrate. He could hear his heartbeat and her sighing as she worked his cock masterfully. He had never felt such strong sensations. Even his dreams had not prepared him for her ministrations. He could feel his balls tightening as she wrapped her hand around them and pulled gently while squeezing above them with her thumb and forefinger at the same time. She buried his cock in her throat and pressed her lips against the base while she tugged on his balls. The orgasm hit him like a tidal wave. The throbbing started and did not stop. She wrapped her lips around him hard while he bucked deeper into her throat. 
A minute later, he finally came to a shuddering end, vaguely aware of two things, that he had not ejaculated, and that he was still hard, with no signs of that changing any time soon. He had read that it was possible to orgasm without ejaculating, but he had never experienced it. The arousal he felt was still intense. He could not wrap his mind around it. She rose, sitting above him while wiping her mouth with the back of her hand. She grinned at him, and despite himself, he grinned back. His head was still buzzing, and his body shuddered with tingling aftershocks as she lifted her body to straddle him again, this time perfectly poised above his cock. She began to lower herself onto him, and he felt heat, wetness, and little resistance. Mora is a story of a man who has developed an unhealthy obsession with the wrong woman. The enchanted victim unwittingly finds himself submitting to the will of the most seductive succubus. Expect a light but intense read. Curse of the Kitsune by Devin Jackson What happened next? Hisaka's eyes gleamed intently. Um, we had sex. My eyes burned with embarrassment. Yes, murmured Hisaka. Her lips spread into a wide grin. What else? Hisaka's fingers played lightly over my rising erection. Another flash of memory. I remembered Hisaka's plump curves as she rode my cock last night. She wanted me to do something. What was it? Hisaka undid my zipper and freed my hard cock. I nervously looked toward the door and silently prayed no one would barge in. My breath caught when Hisaka wrapped her warm, soft hand around my cock. Keep going. What else do you remember? She said. It was something important. I felt it in my very soul. It was nagging at me. You asked me to do something? She nodded encouragingly. Her hand stroked me gently. To do something for you? Mm-hmm. She took my cock into her mouth. Oh, fuck, that feels amazing. Hisaka's head bobbed up and down as she sucked on my cock. She would stop every so often and lick up and down my shaft. Her mouth and tongue made delicious slurping noises. What did I ask you to do, Peter? She never stopped licking and sucking my cock as she urged me to answer. Each word was barely a whisper between licks. Fuck, I grunted. My cock felt so good in her mouth. She wrapped one hand around the base of my cock, taking me all the way to the back of her throat until her lips met her hand. My grip tightened on the chair. Her head was bobbing faster now. Her long black hair fell around her face and brushed my thighs as she continued to suck my cock. I closed my eyes in pure bliss. Hisaka's tongue and throat threatened to overwhelm me. Hisaka, I hissed through gritted teeth. She halted, as though frozen. What did you say? What? I stuttered, confused. My name. Say it again. There was a definite edge to her voice this time. Hisaka? Her whole body shuddered. She squeezed my cock in a death grip. I winced in pain. She saw my pained expression and released my cock. 
She stood and straddled my legs. Finish inside me, she commanded. Hisaka grinned at me wickedly. She hovered over my hard cock. It was still slick from her mouth. She slipped it easily inside herself. I realized belatedly she must not have been wearing panties this entire time. I should have worried about having unprotected sex with this woman I barely knew, but this familiar position brought back more memories of last night. You asked me to worship you, to say your name, I blurted out suddenly. The fog in my mind surrounding last night cleared, evaporating like morning mist. Hisaka howled and her hips bucked right as my memories came back. Her hands gripped the back of the chair on either side of me. Worship me, Peter. Worship your goddess. Say my name and give me your devotion. I need it, Peter. Give it all to me. My hands gripped her wide hips as she rode me. I bucked underneath her. The hot, eager wetness of this goddess was too much. My cock was a steel rod wrapped in the inferno that was Hisaka. Hisaka, Hisaka, Hisaka. I grunted her name like it was a chant. She ground against my hips, the chair squeaking violently with each shift of our weight. Her nails dug into my back and shoulders. An American intern attracted to a mysterious older woman finds himself unwittingly bound to her after an erotic encounter. As he learns of her true identity of her being a fox goddess, he discovers the consequences of her cursed existence and the byproduct of him also being hexed if she doesn't manage to transition into divinity. Expect a short read packed with multiple sex scenes. Blossom by Yancey Ball Tell me about Blossom. He displayed his rotten teeth. You are searching. What am I searching for? The beauty of a thousand orchids blooming under the eye of the moon. A rapture so deep that it swallows your soul. I smirked, but under the gown, my nether lips drooled. You dwell in a palace somewhere, surrounded by wealth and power. You have servants and flatterers, but you don't know what it is, he said. To be cherished. To belong to someone as they belong to you. My hand drifted down between my legs. I couldn't help myself. I couldn't pretend anymore. At first, I assured myself Baba wouldn't see, but that was false. I wanted him to see beyond my pallor, to lush, feminine curves. I wanted him to lust after me. I tried to justify my depravity. He didn't speak the local language. He was tied up. He was mad. He couldn't hurt me in the slightest way. When did you realize? I asked as my fingers played over my sodden slit that you belonged to Blossom. It was the scent. His gaze fell between my legs. I sat down, exposing myself to him. I splayed my legs, feeling blades of grass caress my toes and bow beneath my legs. I spread my pink folds, opening my dripping core to his hungry eyes. In my derangement, I imagined untying Baba's bonds and letting him claim my maidenhood right there on the muddy swath. What does Blossom look like? I rubbed tiny circles around the pearl of my clit. Baba nodded upwards. Like the loveliest night sky, 
My legs began to tremble. I felt the flutters of delicious heat that signaled my approaching climax. Tell me how you felt, I panted, when Blossom took you for the first time. Baba lunged, then straining against his bonds like a hound on a leash. Even then, I couldn't stop myself. I watched him in a dazed alarm as I stifled a moan. I stroked my clit while the fingers of my other hand plunged into my hungry hole. The knots held, and Baba sagged. I belong to Blossom, just as you will, lady. I came then, gasping as my nectar spurted out on the grass. I threw my head back without a care from Baba or anything else, letting that white-hot wave burn through me. I lay there for a moment, shuddering. Eventually, I propped myself on an elbow and met Baba's cockeyed gaze. His body was shaking, as if from a fever. I had been so inflamed with lust I hadn't even noticed. I brushed grass and dirt away as I stood up. Part of me wanted to set him free right then. He had told me what I wanted to know. I had taken undue advantage. Besides, Musa was right. We couldn't hold him forever. And yet, I had at least somewhat returned to my senses. The second book in the While Gods Slumber series, Blossom is an Afrocentric journey into a world of erotic discovery shrouded in the mythology of the African occult. Our protagonist journeys into the heart of a demonic cult to discover what happened to her missing sibling. Can she trust herself not to succumb to the sinister, seductive demon at the heart of this story, despite the protective powers she yields? Xenofestation 101, Amber Alert, by Paragonis Vaught. What she would have seen, in Amber's opinion, was a woman of average height, of normal build, with a natural curviness to her body shape. Pretty, perhaps, with an emphasis on the perhaps, in Amber's view, but not particularly unusual. Amber's looks didn't tend to get her noticed that much, apart from one thing. Are the freckles natural, or are they enhanced in any way? Natalie said all of a sudden. Um, no, Amber replied. They're all the freckles I was born with. Comes with being ginger. Natalie gazed down at the fiery splash of Amber's pubic hair for a long, thoughtful moment. That's your natural color, then? I did wonder. Yes, that's me, Amber replied, and spread her hands out either side of her head in an awkward sort of ta-da pose. Really? Natalie replied, still gazing at Amber's body with a startling air of intensity. Amber laced her hands behind her head again, feeling even more awkward, the moment stretched in silence. You're rather beautiful, aren't you? The compliment was so unexpected, and so outside Amber's field of experience that she had no idea how to respond nor presence of mind to wonder whether the comment was entirely appropriate in circumstances. In any case, Natalie didn't wait for a response, instead walking to her desk and pressing a hidden button. A section of wall slid noiselessly back, and a large piece of furniture slid into the room. Amber immediately recognized it. A medical examination chair of a kind one might find in a well-equipped hospital. It seemed rather an incongruous thing 
to see in this comfortable, carpeted consulting room, and vibe more a plush business meeting space than a clinical setting. Do you want somebody in the room with us? Natalie asked, pulling on some blue nitrile gloves. To observe? No, that's fine, I think, Amber replied. The last thing she wanted was more people observing her. Er, what are we... Just a quick internal exam and a few reaction tests. Hop up on the chair, please. Amber started to climb onto the examination chair, which was heavily padded, upholstered in some kind of wipe-clean polyfiber, and canted back at a 45-degree angle. There were two widely spaced stirrups, and Natalie helped her place an ankle in each one. Good. Now scooch down a bit for me, please, so I can examine you. Amber adjusted her position. She was now reclining back in the chair's embrace, her knees high, her legs splayed far apart, her vaginal opening completely exposed. This final point embarrassingly brought home when Natalie sat down on a little seat between her open thighs. Now, I've read all your medical history, so I know your general state of health and your sexual status, but perhaps you can confirm some points and fill in the gaps for me? While she spoke, she placed gloved fingers on Amber's mound and carefully started to part her labia. You're twenty-four standard years old, right? Amber nodded, and then, realizing that Natalie was looking down at her vagina rather than up at her face, croaked, Yes. Are you sexually active? Another affirmative croak. How many sexual partners have you had? No need to be exact, just to the nearest ten or so. Um... Ten or so, yes. Black boys, mainly. They thought of themselves as poly, as in polyamorous, but her friends disparagingly termed them poly as in panties. They'd cover your cunt, sure, in a practical way, but not much more than that, and to all intents and purposes, they were single-use. If you tried them on too many times, you'd just end up itchy. Better just to recycle and move on to a fresh one. Are you currently in a long-term relationship? No. Have you ever had vaginal intercourse without using a barrier field device? That was a gadget the man wore on his penis. It generated a tiny energy field which both lubricated his entry into his partner's body and trapped his sperm. Amber nodded. Sometimes. That's fine, fine. Natalie's lubricated fingers slipped smoothly into the warmth of Amber's vagina. Amber shivered. Previously, her internal exams had always been carried out by the auto-doc at the co-op clinic in her building. No humans had been involved. She'd never had a human do this before. Well, there'd been Mikey, she supposed. He'd used his fingers sometimes, but that wasn't exactly an examination so much as an exploration, and they'd have been in some quietish corner of the plaza, Behind the broken fountain, perhaps, or leaning against the back wall of Beck's grill during one of Mikey's shift breaks. He'd never sat between her legs and looked right up her as he was doing it. Amber tensed. The first book in a series of six so far, Xenofestation follows the plight of Amber and other fertile women as they enter a program that would see them experimented on and impregnated by various alien species. 
Expect sinister subplots and subsequent buildup to more ahead. As per usual, we asked our guests to help us review these titles. Annabelle Hawthorne read these titles. Let's hear from Amber Lee Connors to find out what she thought of these books. Yeah, so Annabelle made the time to read all of this month's entries and genuinely enjoyed each story. Mora is perfect for erotic horror enthusiasts. Curse of the Kitsune is very much a modern-day monster tale with an interesting approach to Kitsune. Xenofestation was a phenomenal science fiction read. If you like alien impregnation, you should get it for your library. The clear winner was Blossom. While each tale was a fun time, Annabelle is a huge sucker for fantasy world building. Blossom had this in spades, along with a very steamy demon scene that is highly recommended. Okay, later in this episode, you'll hear from our other special guest, Devlin Wilde. Let's see what he thought of these books. Blossom by Yancy Ball. Kea has stepped out from the protective cocoon of her family home to search for her missing brother in the mangrove swamps of their country, which are apparently full of demons of different sorts. I actually like this book a lot. It was an adventure story on many levels, not just Kia's search for her brother, but also her exploration of her own sexuality. The first time away from the restrictive confines of her family, she has a chance to let go. And boy does she. The build of sexual tension is excellent. I do like sexual tension, don't you? And it creates an intense feeling of sexual desire that runs through the whole story. This was definitely the winning book for me. My choice of the four, Mora by Marie Blue. This was a great short story, just enough to titillate you on a lunch break and make the afternoon so much easier. The ending is nice and twisted and dark, which I think always helps. This is an erotic horror story in the truest sense of the word. If Edgar Allan Poe did erotica, I'm sure he would have created something like this. The story is well-paced and enjoyable. All in all, it is a very good short read. Curse of the Kitsune by Devon Jackson. This is an interesting twist on the whole demon-goddess story thing. I have to say, I don't normally go in for the manga cosplay thing. Nothing against it, it's just not my thing. But with the Curse of Kitsune, it was written in the story well enough that I could rise above that. For a short story, it is certainly packed to the rafters with filth. I think there were only a few sexual acts missing. No doubt they will be expertly handled in the sequel. At just 9,000 words, this is a breeze of a story to read, and twisted enough to satisfy most of your darkest desires. I'd recommend having a read, definitely. Xenophastation 1.01 Amber Alert by Paragonus Vaunt. Okay, let me say from the offset, I'm not really a sci-fi fan. Sorry, but I'm not. Not my thing. No, I know. I'll get hate mail now, but that's just... just me. However, the story is good. I have to say it is actually very enjoyable. If you don't like sci-fi, you can put a lot of the sci-fi aside and just enjoy the sexual filth. It's a good, fast-paced story, and it's it is out there, which I do like. I do like the imagination in it. 
Um, it's very easy to become immersed in this alien world. And maybe it's just me, but I really did see more than a touch of dark humour resonating through the whole story. This is more than just a sexy sci-fi. There is more depth to it, which I wasn't expecting. The darker criminal element was very engaging, almost giving it a touch of Blade Runner, just filthier. So yeah, it's, it's a good story. If you like sci-fi, you'll particularly like it. I did enjoy it, even though I'm not a sci-fi fan. Time for me to summarize my findings for you. Mora is a 3.9 out of 5. Mora is a short, enjoyable read, but I couldn't help but want more after all the buildup. Maybe it's a testament to how much I was enjoying the book, but in my opinion, the finish felt a little… abrupt. I'd be shocked to learn if there was a plan to create a sequel in an attempt to add more depth to the Mora character. I felt that could have been done if the finish had been better planned. The erotica and pacing is top-notch. A solid effort. Curse of the Kitsune is a 4 out of 5, filled with short erotic-filled chapters that serve to entertain while advancing the plot. Curse of the Kitsune is a fantastic piece of fantasy erotica. The moving parts of the plot advance quickly without feeling rushed, which is quite an achievement considering the size of the title. I feel like this title could have benefited from having a longer word count, which could be a hard criticism to take considering the book obviously works well as it is. Blossom is a 4.2 out of 5. A strong story, strong mythology, a strong protagonist, and an intense world built around these characters. Blossom gives us danger, mystery, tension, and a fierce, seductive narrative that keeps us hooked to see what happens next. Considering how masterful the concepts were, I would have expected more flair within the writing. However, the book clearly excels without it. The Afrocentric world created is dark, sexy, and something to be lost in. Xenofestation 101 Amber Alert 3.8 out of 5 Xenofestation is an excellent book with concepts that seem to have a universal appeal even within a niche. There are elements of humor within this book, despite it appearing dark and unempathetic at times. This title does get pinned down in dialogue at moments and gives you the impression that, as juicy the plot seems to be getting, there's more to come. After reading my initial thoughts, our producer Dee questioned my findings, but conceded that they were fair. Paragonus, in the past, has had one of the highest-rated titles in the history of us doing reviews on the podcast for the excellent Tidy Girl. So, this episode's star recommendation winner is Blossom by Yancey Ball. We felt this was a well-structured, dark, and sexy must-read title. I can see people who love this niche buying the set. Our only regret is we can't recommend the first book because we haven't read it. Thanks for joining us. See you soon. Fantastic. So Di, who usually hosts this segment, is a regular on our brilliant podcast called Shh Extra Phil. Shh gives you behind-the-scenes views and stories from the team behind the All the Filthy Details podcast. Here's a quick preview. Headphones are recommended.
Hello, sexy people. Okay, let's do this. I feel a bit ranty. So, Di, do you want to talk about what's been going on? OMG. I had the most embarrassing moment last weekend. It was horrid. Now, we're away with work on the weekend. The first day before we even set off, when we're jumping on the coach, we notice Madeline, the person I'm supposed to be sharing a room with, hasn't shown up. The coach wasn't going to wait. I wasn't grumbling either, especially as it meant I was getting my hotel room to myself. Anyway, we arrive at the hotel hours later. My phone, at this point, is as dead as a corpse. We check in and collect our key cards, and our boss, Sandy, tells us to put our bags down in our rooms and meet up back downstairs in the restaurant for a late lunch in 30 minutes. Now, lunch is what it is. It's pleasant, the food is good, but there's a bit of an issue with my colleagues regarding us having great relationships outside of work with each other. Sandy leaves after lunch, and you could feel the tone change. The idea that everyone was just going to continue drinking because the towel was being picked up didn't appeal to me with the present company. Mike had come on to me once before while being drunk in the past. Jason was also known for getting a bit touchy after a few drinks. Anyway, I made my excuse about wanting to get some fresh air, and when Haley and Tom offered to join me to smoke a cigarette, I adapted my fresh narrative to going for a walk, which allowed me to disappear. Having left most of the team in the restaurant, I went back to my room for a shower. I threw a towel on the bed and laid on it after to dry off. I grabbed my e-reader and started catching up on some erotica. Now, I'm alone, I'm relaxed, and I'm contemplating touching myself a little in this moment of solitude when my hotel door room swings open. Shh, Extra Filth is a Patreon exclusive and a back catalog of episodes become accessible from even our entry tier. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> Let's interview our next special guest, the producer and voice talent behind one of Erotica's most successful erotic podcasts to date, Devlin Wilde. Hello, Devlin. Hi, Natalia. We assume a large portion of our listeners will be quite familiar with your work. But for those who aren't, how would you describe the Wild in Bed podcast and wilddesires.com to new listeners? Let's start the other way around. Let's start with wilddesires.com. That's, that's the older of the two. Wild in Bed is, relatively speaking, the new, the new upstart. But wilddesires.com was originally a way for people to explore their, their erotic fantasies in the safety of their own mind. The idea was to create stories with an immersive feel. My, my history, to give you some background, is I'm actually a trained hypnotherapist. And stories for me have always been a powerful way to, to help clients deal with issues, to overcome hurdles, etc. And to have a better life. Turning that into something so people could enjoy deeper erotic pleasures seemed to me like a no-brainer. It was fairly natural. Yes, of course. You know, somebody came to you and said, I'm going to tell you a story. All I want you to do is listen and relax. And by the end of the story, you're going to have better orgasms. That's what Wild Desires was. It was a way of 
helping people to enjoy better sex lives, better sensual pleasure. And it was dressed up with erotic stories. It's pretty powerful. Um, still to this day, the, the stories on there, there's, there's 5,000 people around the world listening every day to one of the Wild Desires stories somewhere. So that's, that's how that started. Now, obviously, that's rather niche. That's for people who want to enjoy deeper sexual pleasure, to enhance their orgasms, to explore fantasies that they really couldn't enjoy in real life. There's a tentacle fantasy on there. Let's be real. How many people in real life can enjoy a tentacle fantasy? You can't. But there is one on there that makes it feel like it is real. And that's the thing. The wild desire stuff, it feels like you are living the story. And your body reacts as if you're living the story. Wild in bed, originally thought of as the little, the little brother. It was, it was there originally to, to open the masses to the idea that an erotic story could actually be life-changing. And I think that has, that has really taken root a lot more than I thought it would do, if I'm honest. When it first started, I thought Wild in Bed would be the preserve of the single female. For obvious reasons. Um, but it isn't. There are couples that listen. They, they, I get emails from couples who say this saved our marriage. This is a chance for us to explore fantasies, discuss fantasies we'd never even considered of. And that's how it's become for a lot of people. And that, that has surprised me. That has surprised me, I must admit. Wild Desires is really for, for people who, who, who want to get in depth into their sexuality, who want to, to enjoy very deep sensual pleasure and change the way they orgasm. Change it forever. Wild in Bed is the lighter version. It's for people who want, think of it as date night. Ideas for date night. Oh, we could try that, we could do that. It's a bit of fun, it's written up, it's, it's a sexy story. But it's, the idea is that it's, it gives you ideas as well. It's a bit of fun to take away from the podcast. A few of our listeners might not realize that you're an author as well. We understand you've been working on releasing a new title soon. What can you tell us about that? Yes, I am. I'm, I've written a, a few books, not many, not many, but I have written some. Obviously, I write the stories every week for Wild in Bed. Yes, that's me. Although I get, I get the fantasy of what they want to appear in a story, and I write the story so it's, it's relatable. Lamb to the Slaughter, yes. It started off as a short story. It was actually going to appear on the podcast. It was one of the, it was one of the early ideas for a story, but it kind of ran and ran and ran. I generally have a point of about 18,000 words where I say, well, this isn't really a story for the podcast anymore. It can't, it's just going to keep going too far. And that's where I thought, well, let's just keep writing it. And it became a novel and an audiobook, as you've probably heard on the podcast. I, I was recording chapters as we went and the book is out there. Lamb to the Slaughter is out there. And the audiobook will be will be there in a few well hopefully a few days. It has been 
It's been 10 days, so it should be live any time now. It's a werewolf, sort of a werewolf thing. I should I should really read, read a section of it on here, but it's, it is extremely dark. It's a very dark werewolf one. It's not... It's bloody, it's sexy. The, the erotica in it is very intense. The sex scenes are very, very intense. As I think most people expect from me. I don't think... I don't think I generally go in for light sex. <laughs> um, but it's done well. It is It is doing well. It's only just been released, so... Early days, and I'm more interested in the audio, but being an audio artist. Yes, it's out there. Go, bye. Have a listen to a few of the episodes on the podcast. I think it's safe to say in podcasting, and erotica podcasting in particular, the Wild in Bed podcast is among the world's most successful podcasts especially considering how long the podcast has been going. What would you attribute your success to? Wild in bed recently, we moved into the top 900. We'll probably drop out again and drop back in. You know how these things it'll be. It'll be a few months before we actually settle quite within the, the top 900. But a large part of that has come down to my listeners of getting involved. They they have really got involved with this. I when we first started doing the listeners' fantasies, I really didn't think they were gonna grab it quite the way they have. I thought that they'd be shy about it and initially there was just one or two that came in. But over time these this has grown. This has grown. You've more and more coming in and you think, wow. Some that you can't actually put out on air because they're borderline illegal. But the the bulk of them, to be honest with you, are very personable and very relatable. And yes, they, they can be turned into a story. So that's a large part of it, is being involved with my listeners. And I like to think that when when I record, they're in there with me, recording with me. It's a very lonely place in a recording booth. So I have my listeners in there with me. It's very cramped. But yes, it's... And I enjoy doing it. And I think that comes across. You have to enjoy doing this. You know yourself, Natalia. When you start off doing a podcast, it's a... It's a labour of love. You've got to love doing it. You've got to love putting the time in. Because you're not going to make any money from it. You know, it's not a job. I love it and I think that comes across. I think the listeners becoming engaged with it has made a huge difference. From the outside looking in, it seems like you've embraced hearing from your fans. We're curious. What's the craziest thing you've heard from one of your listeners? <laughs> Crazy fan stories. Um, I had a lady who broke her bed once. She did actually threaten to sue me for her bed being broken. Yes, she did. Um, <laughs> this is coming back a little time, but yeah, she she actually threatened to sue me because because she'd listened to one of my audios. I'd I'd broken her bed, and I think that's a bit strange. The weirdest thing I'd ever heard it didn't come from a fan. It didn't come from well, they are, they must be a listener somewhere along the way, but it actually came from Amazon themselves. I was banned for being too sexually stimulating when I released Bathed in Lust. I put it out as an audiobook, initially, because 
I thought people would like it as an audiobook. Um, and they banned it, and they banned me. They banned me for being saying it was too sexually stimulating. Which is a bit worrying, because it means that there's somebody sat in an office somewhere, and they've got some, I don't know, set of lights next to them, and says, oh, here's my orgasm meter. If it goes above this level, the orgasms were just too intense. But that's it. I was... I was banned from selling on Amazon for about eight months because of that. And recently I've been banned on YouTube for the same reason. It's a go-to. It's a go-to excuse, I'm sure. As to actual fantasies, there's... I don't think any fantasy is weird. Because it's personal somebody. This is somebody's desire. You know, this is... This is what does it for them, and that's fine. You know, we, we all have our own fantasies, and... I don't think you could say it's any one of them's weird. They're just different. But I think people's reactions sometimes are a bit strange. Like Amazon. Why? Why say I'm over-sexually stimulating? <laughs> I did use it in marketing for quite a while, I have to say. I did milk that one. Yeah, the man that is too sexually stimulating. I quite like that. That's quite a title. Um, and my gravestone, you can see. <laughs> what podcasts do you love to listen to? What topics do they tend to cover? Let's go back in time a little bit, give you a bit of background to this. Before I created Wild Desires, it was a toss-up between do I make erotica feel real? Or... Do I make horror feel real? I'm I'm a big, big horror fan. Especially real life horror. Real life stories. Ghost stories. And the whole experiential erotica thing, originally I was contemplating actually doing it with horror. You know, so you could really be scared. And I thought, wow, that'd be good. But then somebody pointed out to me that there's all sorts of medical conditions where you don't really want to frighten people as if they were really being chased by a psycho killer. And I might end up with a lot of solicitor's letters, so... That was dropped. That was dropped. And so, yeah, so, real-life horror podcasts I love. The trouble is, I'm such a tart with them. I'm a podcast surfer. I go podcast to podcast. I try finding something, and it's whatever interests me at the moment. Grab me by the moment, that's it. That's what I'm listening to. So I have hundreds that I follow. And I just move between them. I just see, we see which one sounds interesting now. Anything, anything real life, horror, crime, that sort of thing. I am actually contemplating doing a real horror podcast, real ghost podcast, real anything, any stories but based on reality rather than made up. But we'll come back to that. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an idea at the moment, it's a concept, it's a twinkle in my eye. So yes, I may, I may well release that very soon. Would you like to read us something monstrous from your intensive library of erotica? Now this isn't, this isn't, this isn't from a book. I do have a lot of erotic horror, but this isn't from a book. This is actually from Literotica. I do enjoy reading the stories on Literotica and Wattpad. 
they they have a rawness to them they have a passion that you don't sometimes get with books books become sometimes overproduced so many people in in the path of a book being produced it becomes it loses its loses its heart somewhere along the way so this is from house by the creek from literotica written by lush luscious i could not miss coming by his fingers and mouth at least five times a day it was mind-blowing at times i tried to talk to him even begged for a fuck knowing that i would never get a response he would understand when he needed to give me space especially when i needed to focus on fixing the house or finishing my paperwork somehow he respected my privacy and returned whenever i needed him the occasional caress and fondle would always comfort me yet i couldn't do the same to him it was always one-sided he kept crossing my mind and filling my head with filthy thoughts at the office during the day the distraction caused me to soak my panties and i had to pleasure myself in the cool dingy bathroom store these were the times i wished for his presence unfortunately he never followed me out of the house my car came to a halt in front of a lingerie store after i headed off from my work site and i couldn't help but think about the spirit awaiting to pleasure me at home a mischievous grin crept across my face as i exited my car and entered the story unashamedly i spent an hour in the story choosing and fitting myself with erotically sexy lingerie and i bought myself several sets after i paid for the materials i entered the fitting room and wearing one of them before heading out of the building earning a knowing smile from the cashier you there i whisper as i dropped my purse and shopping bag by the coffee table i took off my coat and hung it by the door when i felt a cold arm wrapped around my midsection and i grinned widely at his welcoming presence his hand immediately trailed downwards to lift my dress not so fast i whisper pulling away from his embrace i stood in the middle of the living room feeling his eyes watching me as i look around i have a surprise for you i say walking slowly towards my bedroom feeling him following me moving closely behind me you will not touch me until i tell you to i instruct smiling mischievously as the door closes by itself standing in the middle of the bedroom slowly unzipping my textured navy blue sleeveless dress revealing the new white lingerie underneath i wore a lacy transparent bra and a g-string with a sheer suspender belt set which looked erotically sensual against my pale skin i could hear a gasp echoing in my ears and i got so turned on as i could feel his eyes staring at my body hungrily you like it i asked seductively as i swayed my hips 
bending over the edge of the bed, arching my back. I could feel light kisses on my bare ass, and I jerked my hips away from him. No kisses, I instruct teasingly, and I could hear a groan of desperation echoing in my ears. I giggle as I can feel a cold breath tickle the skin of my rear. I sway my hips in a circle, deliberately, as I sit on my knees on the bed, my ass hung in the air, my juices soaking through the thin material of my panties as it seeps onto my inner thigh. Please. His plead was echoing in my ears, and it made me wetter by the second. I was horny for you in my office, and you weren't there. I moaned, turning around to face his presence by the bed. I begged you to fuck me, but you don't want to. I moaned, grinding and humping my hips on the bed like I was riding a cock to tease him. My tits were bouncing sensually as I wrapped my fingers around my hair, closing my eyes. I leaned forward in a doggy-style position on the bed, pushing and circling my hips behind me pretending to fuck a cock, moaning like I was being fucked hard. When will you let me have your cock? I whispered, panting heavily. I want to. Please. He begged again, and I could feel soft kisses on my lips as I continued pretending to be fucked. It was cruel of me to tease him like this, and I couldn't hold it any longer as my pussy throbbed for his tongue so badly. Oh my God. Please make me come. I moan. I could feel his cold hands gripping my hips tightly. As I realised he had dashed towards the other side of the bed to tend to my needs. The cold sensation of a palm massaged my exposed ass. Trailing his fingers down my inner thigh. Tickling my throbbing wet pussy. My hips swayed slowly in the most sensual way and I screamed as a rough slap echoed in the room. Yes, spank me. Is he punishing me right now? I screamed in pleasure as he kept spanking me hard, and I could tell my ass cheeks were red from his assault. He hooked his finger around the G-string and pulled it down slowly to my ankle, a quick and rapid flicker of a cold tongue licking and slurping my juice desperately had me squirming at the amazing sensation. His palms were tracing softly towards my hanging breasts, and he squeezed them hard, playing and fondling them like it was his favourite toy. How you like my pussy? You want more of my juices? I moan, swaying my hips in a circle. Make me come hard. Use me, please. I'm yours. He grabbed my hips and bucked them harshly towards his awaiting stiff broad tongue, and I shuddered as an orgasm struck my belly. My thighs trembled as he twisted me towards the bed, laying on my back, my thighs roughly pushed to my shoulder, and my pussy and ass hung in the air as he continued to eat them deeply. I love how you eat me. My glistening pussy was moving erratically at his assault, as he held my thighs in one arm, and I screamed as a hard slap tingled my pussy. Harder! Smack! Harder! He slapped my wet pussy violently with his fingers, 
and I screamed as my orgasm struck again with this continuous assault. Yes, yes, yes! I squirmed and writhed in pleasure as he abruptly fingered me hard and multiple orgasms came over my body. My juices were extremely gushing over my pussy and inner thigh. This was probably the wettest I have been. As I wriggled violently on the bed, he let go of my thigh and licked me gently, drinking and slurping all my juices. My body relaxed and I moaned in pleasure at his gentle licking. I opened my eyes and gasped at a slight translucent figure on top of my pussy. I could see traces of a face devouring my sex, and his eyes were closed. The silhouette of his head and shoulder were moving frantically as he relished in the juicy mill between my thighs. Hey, I whisper as I reach out to caress his cheek, and the touch barely causing friction. He noticed a sudden caress and he stopped his action. His translucence was gone instantly. No, wait, don't go yet, I said in a panic as I leaned on my elbows. I can see you a bit. Can you show me yourself again? I waited instead. He gently kissed my lips and I moaned at the touch. I was slightly disappointed when he went back to his invisible self. Nonetheless, he pleasured me for hours and I could still see traces of translucence moving on my pussy. But I shrugged it off every time as I couldn't see any of his features. How would people follow Devlin Wild? What social platforms are you active on? How would you follow me? Hmm. I'm I am on social media. Uh, active, kind of. When I've got time, I'm actually very busy. I'm I'm very booked for a lot of things. So Twitter's probably. I I I am on Facebook, but I keep getting banned. Like YouTube, like Amazon, like iTunes. I've been banned by the best, really. <laughs> um, so I am on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Reddit, believe it or not, because um, they don't ban anybody. And Twitter, because ban- because like like Reddit, they don't ban anybody. So yeah, I'm on. Those are the main social media I'm on. Devlin, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Natalia, for having me. It's been a, a, a loss of fun. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> We're now on Patreon. Our offer is fantastic. You'll get access to all our literary lovesick audiobooks for a price that is comparable to a single ebook. You can end your subscription at any time, and you'll still be able to keep your books. We also have more exclusive content, and even the option to put your character in our books. Thank you for joining us for this episode, and thank you to everyone who contributed to making this episode possible. We'll see you next month. Stay cool, sexy people. <laughs>